This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 166. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And Riley is the man who recently performed his first marriage. Performed being the key word there. I am Jacob Paulson. <laughs> and Jacob is the guy who likes to wear black because it goes with everything and he hates matching stuff. Makes my life simple. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Boring, but simple. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you've been sporting around some other colors recently. So no, my shoes yeah, and did, did, my belts are yeah, always tell black. Tell my coats, jackets. I'm going to give some props to uh, Pew Pew Tactical. Well, I did uh-huh. wear, yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Okay, shirts are different. I wear lots of colors oh, okay. of shirts. Okay, okay. But when it comes to accessories like shoes and belts, I always go black because I don't have to worry about them matching whatever shirt I'm wearing. Right? <laughs> if I always wore black shirts, that'd be awkward. But uh, yeah. yeah, all shoes, all belts. Okay, I'm glad you clarified that. But uh, thanks to Pew Pew Tactical for an awesome. Uh, couple of t-shirts he sent us yeah my kids think that it looks like a buzz lightyear gun or something they're just they really want the shirt yeah it's cool today's topic is developing a personal defense training plan we think this is something that uh everyone should at least consider and look into uh because i think it takes a little bit of planning a little bit of training to try to make sure you're you're ready and prepared for a deadly force encounter if the need arise uh, real quick, a caveat. Uh, I realize this episode's coming to our listeners a few days late. <laughs> In fact, yeah. it almost didn't get to you. And I apologize for that. Uh, this week was a little crazy. And we had a big company meeting a couple days ago, and that interrupted things. And Anyway, it's been, uh, been a wild ride. On top of it being sick myself. Hopefully you uh, haven't caught what I've got, Jacob. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not to. It's not cool. I'm going to be, once again, like last episode, hitting the mute button a bunch of times as I uh, hack up a lung uh, in the background here. But uh, today's first uh, sponsor of, of this episode is Guardian Nation. And Jacob, I'm going to let you read this one because I feel a, a hacking up the lung opportunity coming on. Okay, here we go. Guardian Nation. This is an especially good time to join Guardian Nation. First, on Halloween, this is the first anybody's hearing of it, so you should feel special. First off, on Halloween, we'll be giving away a custom handgun to one lucky member of Guardian Nation. So for you that are listening that are already members, awesome. For those of you who maybe your membership has lapsed, I suggest you go and activate it ASAP. And for those of you who have been on the fence, now is a great time because you might win the Halloween gun this year. It's pretty dang cool. More details to come. Uh, it's it's going to be great. So if you join before October 30th, you'll be in the drawing for the gun. Second, next month, November, is a box shipping month. So if you join right now at the quarterly or annual level, you'll qualify to get the box we're shipping in November, which is worth a minimum of $116. More details to come. And third reason why now is especially a good time to join Guardian Nation is because next month is our annual Black Friday member-only sale. 
And this is huge. Last year, we, we did this for the first time and we discount tons of stuff. Products as low as 80% off, but it's only for members of Guardian Nation. So join Guardian Nation now to be part of the fastest growing tribe of self-defense shooters nationwide. Members also receive access to the concealedcarry.com shooter skill video library, Guardian Nation live broadcasts and past recordings, as well as 10% off everything sold at concealedcarry.com. Learn more and get started at www.guardiannation.com. Awesome. There you have it. Lots of good stuff and lots of great reasons to look into and join Guardian Nation. Uh, that uh, gun giveaway is going to be its going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty so, sweet. <laughs> uh, we were just talking with uh, uh, Culper Precision the other day who is working on that gun and working on the design. And uh, yeah, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be one of a kind. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you like free guns... Or, or if you like just getting awesome stuff and awesome training, we hope that you'll check out Guardian Nation. Today's episode is also brought to you by Pig Lube and Quick Draw. And so I think we should get into the meat of today's episode. And mm. I don't know how, mo- how long I could talk today, so let's get into it. Yeah. So recently, um, you and I, we were talking, and this has been an idea that you've wanted to to do on the podcast for for some time um but recently something kind of i think prompted us to revisit this and and actually uh do it as a topic of the podcast um i'm just curious what you know what your thoughts were jacob and kind of what led up to this point yeah here's the truth i look at normal people and by normal people i mean people who don't work full-time as firearm instructors which is basically almost everybody, right? Even the vast majority of firearm instructors in this country don't do it full time. They have day jobs. And, and which, by the way, there's no shame in that. That doesn't mean they're, they're bad instructors by any means because you know, that described you and me for some time, right? So I look at normal people and the truth is that normal people don't have uh, a, a much time. I mean, they don't have time to go to the range all the time and shoot. They don't have time to, you know, just take a a random Wednesday and go spend eight hours running some drills at the range that, you know, anybody can do. That stuff just doesn't happen. And so here's where I think there's a, a disconnect. You have everybody in the industry shouting, train, 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 train more often, get more training, get more training. You need more training. And then you have everybody hearing that and saying, yeah, yeah, um, where, how, and when. And I yeah. think there's there's this, this just kind of disconnect from reality or what's practical in terms of understanding, okay, I know I'm supposed to get more training all the time, but how in the world do I approach that? Um, what kind of training am I supposed to be getting? Where in the world am I supposed to get it? And um, don't forget, I'm busy. So... You know, I had a student once say something to me to the, to the effect of, hey, this all sounds good and great, but what if I can't get to the range but maybe once a month and even then only for a couple of hours? Am I ever going to be good enough? Like, what's the point? And and that's yeah. pretty disheartening, but it's actually really true. And I bet a lot of our like loyal listeners don't get to the range more than once a month, even though they listen to this podcast and are very you know serious about this this topic. So I guess to make a long story short, it's been boiling in my brain and I've been really pondering, you know, how do I talk to a normal person and give them some tactical, maybe tactical is the wrong word, some, some practical advice on how to build 
a plan, a training plan that, that's actually useful and relevant in a normal world where a person has a job and a family and other obligations, but yet they still have some form of structure or some strategy that is good to progress them forward as a self-defense-minded shooter. Yeah. Good thoughts there. You know, I was thinking, Jacob, uh, that many people, um, you know, take uh, various things in their life seriously. I mean, we all have our priorities in life, obviously. Um, If health is important to you, then you make an effort, uh, perhaps you plan, dare I say, uh, to do certain things to promote that good health. Uh, for instance, if we're talking from like a physical training standpoint, uh, you might have a personal goal uh, each day. It could be something as simple for some people as making sure they go on a walk for 15 or 30 minutes each day. Mm-hmm. For others, it might be going for a run for 30 minutes or, or a certain distance. So I, I run you know, three miles every day or whatever it is. That might be interspersed with, uh, you know, doing some other physical activities. It might, it might be, you know, a schedule where each week you do um, certain sporting activities. Uh, you play basketball certain nights or uh, flag football or whatever it is. Um, and so we do that because we be- believe, uh, hopefully, in promoting good health because we'd like to, to, you know, stick around as long as we can. Um I th- I see personal defense as as another way to promote good health because if I find myself in a situation uh, where my my very being my uh, the fact that I'm alive comes into question meaning someone tries to take that from me uh, then I I think you know having a plan having a routine something that I do uh, on a certain schedule uh, on a uh, uh, as part of a plan, I think that's a very wise and reasonable thing to do. And we'll show you, you here in a few minutes and as we go through today's episode of how simple I think it can be to put together a personal defense training plan. It's, it doesn't have to be that hard. There's going to have to be obviously some, some time and some, some sacrifices made, um, but maybe not quite to the extent that many people think. And also, don't get stuck in thinking that just because you can't go to the range as often as you'd like to, that you can't, in fact, train or practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love I love the metaphor you used, you know, that, hey, if you have a goal to uh, maintain a certain level of fitness or to lose a certain amount of weight or put on a certain number of pounds of muscle or whatever, then you have a plan and you have to be disciplined to that plan. And, and in the same way, if you have a goal to be prepared to defend yourself or others, uh, from a threat with a firearm, then you also need some sort of approach beyond, I'm going to get to the range when I can and listen to this podcast. Though we love you as a listener, um, that's probably not enough. And so, and, and you know, not to suggest that that's everybody's story. Some of you are very detailed and have great plans and great you know, rhythms in place, but we hope to either uh, give you greater ideas so you can refine what you're already doing or give you some direction so that you don't feel kind of lost in terms of how to move forward. Right. Now, I think uh, one context that we can uh, sort of put into place here for uh, guiding us in this in this discussion today is, uh, and this is where things started to, um, like I said, this brought it back up in my mind recently, and I came to you and said, hey, man, I think we should go ahead, and I, this is a good time to, to do this episode now. Um, and that was uh, Mike Seeklander had me on his podcast uh, recently. And so 
those of you listening, uh, uh, if you haven't ever checked out his podcast, uh, you know, go, go, go check it out. The American warrior society. Uh, actually I think he calls it the American warrior show, uh, is the name of the podcast. And on that episode with, with Mike, I uh, explained the idea that, you know, you and I, Jacob, for some time now have separated the idea of training and practice in our minds. And the way we define that is that training is formal, uh, you know, guided learning and practice. Uh, we're going to talk about learning here separately too, but but you know, training would be like a course that you would take. Right, and you've got a qualified, you know, respected, uh, perhaps a certified instructor who guides you through, uh, you know, various series of uh, drills or exercises, so that you learn, uh, you know, some some key concepts. Obviously, there's going to be a focus, a point to that class, and it's basically what I think you get the most of out of a training course like that is the kind of how to practice and and what to practice uh, when I, you know, because we can't just attend training courses every day, every week, uh, not practical and, and certainly not affordable for most people. And so, so there's obviously, you know, a much greater amount of time over the course of a year spent practicing. But if I don't know how to practice effectively, then that, a lot of that practice is wasted. That time is wasted. So training kind of gives you that guidance of how and, and what to practice. But be, before that, though, really, um, and, and, and honestly, this podcast fits into this category, um, there is this idea of learning or, or gaining, gaining knowledge. Um, and so there's three different things here. You can learn about concepts and ideas, and you can learn about concealed carry. You can learn about drills. You can learn about all kinds of tactical things here on the Concealed Carry Podcast. And that, that all fits in that learning category. But that in and of itself does not qualify or count as training or practice. That counts as putting knowledge into you know the brain. Um, then we've got to do something with that. And we can do something by going through training, a training course. And that really kind of sets the stage, I think, for the first time anyone does a a true training course, their eyes are probably really substantially opened to a lot of things. And, and a lot of those things they, they probably heard somewhere else or learned somewhere else. But now, whoa, now I have context. And now with the training component, practice becomes a lot more effective because you hopefully know how and what to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I explain this now today, you know, having kind of refined the idea a little bit to my, to my students, I put up a slide in my classroom presentations and I put those three words, training, learning and practice. And I kind of have like a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a cycle type graphic that shows that, you know, all three of those you know, lead to each other. It's kind of a never ending circle with those three words at kind of different points in that circle. And, and the premise is that you always have to be doing all three of these things. Now, the, the challenge is you can't do all, the, all three of these things all the time. Uh, and, and so you have to kind of approach a plan and say, Okay, what's practical for me in my lifestyle in terms of these three things? Well, let's let's start with learning. Learning is probably the easiest, most convenient, and least expensive 
of these three parts of one's training plan or training strategy. Because learning, for one, can be done all the time because all of us have time in any given day. You know, a lot of you probably listen to this podcast while you're commuting, right, from to and from work. So that's that's time when you can be learning. So this podcast is a great way to do that. Um, there's other ways you can do it too, but the, the point is learning can be something that can be done almost at a daily frequency, almost constant. And it, it just works in terms of that kind of frequency. Now, training, on the other hand, you know, seeking out some sort of new instruction from, you know, some formal source, whether that's me taking a class or me uh, hiring someone, an instructor to work with me on the range one-on-one or one-on-two or whatever it might be, that training is probably not going to happen very frequently because it's very expensive and it's very inconvenient. (laughs) I have to block out time, uh, probably a full day, sometimes two full days, and it's just... Or a week, yeah, geez, depending, depending on the, the class. class. Yeah, four-day defensive pistol course or something. So so it can really take a lot of um, time. And so it's inconvenient, and it can be very expensive. It could be $80, it could be $800. Like, that. that's totally in range. And so you're not going to do that every weekend. It's just not going to happen for normal people. Um, it, it, it's just not... Not re- not realistic, and and so you're probably going to look at training and say, well, you know, how often am I going to do that? And because it's inconvenient, because it's expensive, if you don't have a plan for that, you'll probably never do it. The years will just go by, and you'll say, oh my gosh, I have not actually really got, sought out much training. Um, yeah, that's because you, it's the kind of thing that you have to plan. And so I always tell my students that when it comes to training, as far as the frequency is concerned. It's probably something that you need to do at least once a year. And I think that's a very reasonable goal for normal people to take you know, a training course once a year. And I think, frankly, that it's not unreasonable to even do it twice a year. So I think to each their own, you can kind of make that decision. Some of you might say once a quarter if you want to be more aggressive or you think you have the time or the, the you know, economic you know, ability to do that. But I think that less than once a year is not good enough for anyone that takes this seriously. So we talked about learning and frequency being key as far as constant learning. And 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 I'll come back and talk about different ways you can learn. We talked about training and the frequency there being, you know, less than once a year is probably not good enough, but more frequent would be better. Maybe having a goal for you know twice a year I'm gonna get some training. Or it could be an hour-based goal. And I know that's something that kind of Riley you do is, you know, maybe I want to get you know, 20 hours of training this year. I want to get 15 hours of training or, you know, however that might be. So that's another way to to think of it. But, you know, having that kind of goal means you're going to do something about it and you're going to seek something out and you're going to make that work. And then the third one on my circle that I present to students is practice, which I know you already kind of defined these words, but when I talk about practice and frequency, I talk about that being something that needs to happen much more frequency. So learning you're probably doing every day, training you might be doing a couple of times a year, but practice is something that needs to be done as often as possible. Every day may or may not be realistic for some, and and for some of you guys, you're like, holy crap, going to the range every day, there's no way. Well, there's things you can do to practice that don't have to be going to a range and shooting live ammunition, and and that's pretty intuitive, we'll come back to it. But I do think that frequency of practice should be at least, at least, weekly. And I don't think that's impractical even for normal people to plan on carving out 20 to 30 minutes a week on average uh, to to practice the skills that we learned in training. So in terms of just straight up frequency, hopefully that that's helpful. That's Jacob's vision. Learning is constant. Training is a couple of times a year. Practice is at least weekly. 
And if I think that's something that normal people could practically approach and say, yeah, I could get on board with that and make adjustments based on your 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 needs or your uh, availability. Right. Yeah, good thoughts there for sure. Um, so well, let me talk a little bit about frequency. Um, you, you know me, Jacob. I, I have interest in a lot of things. Um, you know, I, uh, construction is a passion of mine. It's uh, my former career, something that I did a lot of. Uh, ran a couple of businesses, um, and, and I enjoy that work actually considerably. Um, do I like what I'm doing now better? Yeah, absolutely. But um, that's something I enjoy doing. Uh, photography, something I, I picked up a few years ago, started learning, and, and uh, now that's that's changed into a little bit more vi- videography. Um, shooting, of course, has been a passion of mine for a lot of years. Um, recently, I've gotten in, you know, in the last uh, year and a half or so, gotten really into competitive shooting. Um, and which I would argue is even, you know, it's like a, 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 discipl- a discipline within a discipline as far as it's a specific way or type of shooting. And even within competition shooting, there's different types. And so all kinds of different skill sets and, and things that you need to learn and understand for different disciplines of competitive shooting. My point is, is and that's just a couple of my interests, but a couple of my big ones. Uh, music is another big one. I love music. Um, play the piano and things like that. But my point is, when I get passionate about something, uh, I find myself, Jacob, uh, studying and reading and listening, uh, lis- listening to podcasts or audiobooks, uh, reading books about things. Uh, I love my Kindle. My Kindle is one of my favorite tools because I constantly have a book that I'm reading on my Kindle. Um, and so I I find that I get very passionate and I, I spend a good deal of time studying those, those ideas or those concepts. I think that's something that's necessary to a degree. I mean... Well, the, the more frequently that you uh, study and that you learn, uh, you know, the more time you do that, um, the faster you're going to acquire that knowledge. Obviously, I mean, it's, it may just makes sense, right? Um, and so I find that for some things, I, I learn and I pick up very quickly because I dedicate, you know, spend, I get very passionate about it. That, that's what I'm trying to get at is like, um, I think if you're going to take your self-defense very seriously, I think you almost need to get passionate about it to a degree, so that you really dive in and uh, kind of wholeheartedly put, you know, pour your heart into that that subject that you're trying to master. Um, so that'd be like one thing I'd say. And so, I mean, obviously, frequency is huge. Um, I appreciate you brought up the frequency of training because uh, I think that's a wonderful goal for most average shooters to say, I'm going to try to make one, you know, like true training course per year. And by that, I would say uh, a training course taught by someone that has a solid reputation in the industry, that knows what they're teaching and what they're doing, that has a, a proven track record. Um, and ideally, I, I would, honestly, I would say ideally two days, like a two-day course would be like, that's that's a really solid base and foundation for a lot of people. More more would be better, but I know that becomes a little bit more challenging for, for a lot of folks. But I, I kind of feel like a single day course um, by itself, like a person just st- sort of starts to get broken in, you know, by the end of the day, as far as like they just start to kind of get into the routine and they, they start to get, you know, a lot of the things that are trying to be taught. And like, plus you're working through a lot of bad habits and lack of practice sometimes. Um, and so 
by the time you get to that second day, then then you you know things start to click and you start to perform a little bit better because you're kind of like I said, you're you're more or less broken in. I disagree. Well, disagree away. Yeah, so I I think I think that there's a couple of really important things here. One is that a lot of people don't actually have any idea what their current skill level is. This happens all the time. We'll we'll have all the student come up and be like, well, what should I do next? What class should I take? And I don't always I don't know the answer because the the challenge is that there's a lot of really good training out there that they could go jump into, but they might not be ready for that training yet. Um, you know, that that two-day class, that three-day class, or even that one-day class that's out there. And a lot of times, some of the higher quality training out there costs more money too. And so it might be an expensive dice to roll if you don't actually have any real sense for where you are. If you've been shooting for a long time, but you've never really taken a class per se, so you don't really have a sense for how, how your skills match up. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to direct a, a student to, to say, hey, listen, you could go take this $300 class that I teach or... You might call a local gun range and go take, you know, a, a four-hour, you know, shooting class that probably is going to cost fifty to sixty bucks because, you know, it's a lot of people in the room and it's pretty cookie cutter. And that's going to be a pretty inexpensive way for you to just get your hands wet and start to get a sense for how comfortable am I? What skills am I lacking in? What am I doing well? What am I not doing well? And and so I, I recognize that there could be some harm if that if any training is ever taken that is not coming from quality instructor. But there's also some really inexpensive ways to get a benchmark and to get a start and to get a sense for, you know, where am I? So that, that'd be my first thought that I think contextually might be valuable uh, in this conversation. But as to my specific disagreeing, I don't think that two days of anything is necessary to get an ROI. Uh, and, and I think that if you restrict yourself to getting, you know, to only looking for classes out there that are two days, then that that's going to be a lot more difficult, uh, frankly. Um, and, and Riley, you and I teach one day, you know, courses that I think are very val- high value uh, to our students. So I, I'm inclined to say that, hey, is two days better than one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is three days better than two? You better believe it. The momentum builds very rapidly. And you see that even in a one-day class where, you know, the morning feels slow and the afternoon feels fast. Um, and, and so that's just the nature of the beast is the more you can subsequently uh, keep at the momentum moving, whether it's through one day or two days or three days or four days or however many days, the, the faster you start to grow and uh, the more those skills start to cement. Because what happens is in, in the beginning of any given course, you learn a few things and those things aren't natural at first. And if you go home at that point, then it's going to take a lot of ongoing practice and repetition for you to start to cement those new skills. But if the course continues and you start learning other things, in the course of learning other things, you're still practicing the thing you learned in the beginning. And so by the end of a course, whether it's one day, two days, three days, or four days, or however many days it may go by, you're essentially really locking down some of these skills that you learned in the beginning or earlier in the course because you've had no choice but to continue to repeat them over and over again. And so to me, it's just a purely a matter of repetition. So yeah, the longer a course goes, the, the, the stronger and faster the learning uh, is going to be uh, and the less practice that will be needed later in order to really you know, cement those skills. But I don't think that that means that a one-day class is not worth it or not good enough. Did I say that? Oh, you came dang near close. Nah, I don't think that's what I said. What I said, I, I, here, here's the thing. 
I, there's a lot of valid points in what you said, and I'm not saying that a one-day course is, doesn't have value or isn't good enough. Um, and for many people, that might be the only thing they can achieve. But I was saying that if you can get into something that's two days, I think has immense value uh, because now, now I didn't set a lot. I didn't put a lot of context into what I said. Um, I wouldn't say that this is that this applies to every person because what you said that I appreciate, Jacob. Is that for some shooters, they just need to learn how to shoot first. Um, a lot of courses that are out there that are what I was referring to, like like defensive handgun type courses, like real good, solid, you know, defensive shooting courses. Um, those are not good places for you to learn how to shoot. Like you should know, you should already know how to shoot before you get to a lot of those types of courses. Um, so I, I guess I I sometimes think in, in the context of where I am at personally. And, uh, that, that, that doesn't mean that that's going to also apply to everyone else out there. So if you're a newer shooter, you need to learn how to shoot first. <laughs> and, and that is probably best accomplished, uh, with more, um, you did say something I didn't necessarily like, by the way, uh, <laughs> which was, you know, go find a, uh, you know, couple hour long, you know, course that's got 50 to 60 people in it. You don't learn how to shoot in a course with 50 to 60 people. I don't think I said 50 or 60. Oh, I, We're going to play back to the tape. 60. We're going to play back the tape on that one. <laughs> what, I, what, I, what, I, what I was trying to suggest, and, and whether I said it or not, I'll correct myself, um, is that. The, you know, your local gun range probably has a, a series of classes they teach. Some of them are probably NRA existing curriculum, others that the range has maybe invented or come up with. And those are probably going to have a larger group of students, probably five to 15, maybe probably r- unlikely more than 15. And, and But because there's a high number of students in those classes, they're going to be relatively affordable. And so, you know, to your point, Riley, like if you don't really know yet where you're at with your skills, or if you just straight up know you don't have any, then, you know, that's a real easy, inexpensive place to get a benchmark and learn some fundamentals. And you might take that class and say, I didn't learn squat. I already knew all this stuff. Well, great. You only wasted 50, 60, 80 bucks to to figure that out. Much better than having, you know, wasted that money, uh, you know, wasting $350 to to find that out. So, yeah, if I if I I did I did not mean to say fifty to sixty. So I think we're both mishearing each other a little bit. <laughs> that's totally uh, understandable if that's the case, because you know I'm like practically drugged on cough syrup and stuff over here. But <laughs> anyway, oh boy. Um, so I mean, here's the thing though. Um, going back to where we started, having a goal for one like solid, I think. More, if if we're talking in the context of self defense, which we are, uh, having a goal of one good, high quality defensive shooting, defensive handgun, something in that realm, uh, shooting course per year, is a really good goal. Um, and and, and I'm I'm. I'm definitely thinking like at least a day because there are some courses you'll see sometimes at your local range, they try to work around people's schedules. So you might see a, a course that's like on a Tuesday evening for three hours. That's, that also has value, but I would say you probably need a couple of those, you know, shorter three to four hour courses, um, in the, over the course of a year. Um, and you know, certainly you could you could take an approach where you, maybe you do a one day course, uh, you know, at month six and a month and a one day course at month twelve, uh, whatever you you know, whatever works for your schedule. But definitely 
put on the schedule and I would do that today. I would do that right now. I would look at your calendar. I would look, look out, you know, wherever, wherever you have the next possible opening and find a good quality defensive shooting type course and put it on the calendar today. And it may cost some money, obviously, <laughs> uh, well, they all do, but, um, if money is an issue, you know, look at one that maybe some, some of these training schools have, uh, calendars that go out months and months and months, put it on the calendar, start saving that money, you know, and register as soon as you can make it happen. Um, set that goal today. And if it's something you're going to look at really far out, like, let's say that you're like, you know, right now it's October. I want to take something, you know, in March or April and, and the place you want to go to is maybe they don't have their calendar that far out. That's okay. Like set a reminder in January to check their schedule. But you know, the, the point is have, have a plan and work toward that plan. And, and I'll add a couple of thoughts here. Some of you are going to say, Hey, you know, I live in Timbuktu and you know, the local gun club down the street, they don't even have instructors and I'd have to drive two hours, you know, what? Uh, okay. Yeah. Totally get it. You know, that, that means that you have a greater challenge than other people, right? If you live, you know, fi- 20 minutes from Gunsight or Thunder Ranch or, you know, whatever place in this country, you probably have a lot more options than if you live in Casper, Wyoming. So what what is that might what might that mean to you? I'll, I'll give you a couple thoughts. One would be if your goal uh, is to is to get to one good training course a year, I do think you need to be willing to travel. I think it's a worthy thing to travel. And and if frankly you planning it out far in advance is going to make that travel far more affordable. Uh, you might be able to get a friend or two or three or four to go with you, uh, which means you're going to you know save some money on gas and or you know hotel accommodations, um, or you guys can go camp out. I don't know, but but if you try if you plan in advance and you can get some other people to do it with you, then you can make that travel a lot more affordable. Uh, another thought might be this: maybe you do live in a place where there's a handful of courses you can take, but you know you're thinking to yourself, well, after a year or two, I will have taken them all, and now I'll need to travel. What do I do then? Well, I I, st- I will add that I don't think there's total horrible, you know, badness to taking the same classes more than once. But maybe, you know, if I've taken the three or four decent classes in my area, uh, then once a year, I'm going to have a goal to travel to a different you know place that's got a lot more options, take a class there. And then maybe, you know, also once a year, I'm going to retake one of these local classes that I think would just be good to keep my skills sharp. So I just wanted to kind of add that plug for, you know, A, it, it might be important to travel. And in fact, I think eventually it's going to be a necessity, but also B, it's okay to repeat some things and it's going to you know, still help you. You're going to learn new things even when you take the same class again, because your skills have grown and you're, you're learning in different contexts. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it definitely is better than nothing to, you know, repeat a, a class, you know, uh, over and over uh, a couple of times, but I found great value in, trying to take training courses from a variety of different people. Um, and I think, you know, that, that just makes sense. I think you, you probably understand why that would be the case. I mean, you're going to be presented with a lot of different ideas and thought processes, And sometimes things are explained differently by other instructors. You know, they're teaching the same thing basically, but they explain it maybe in a way that just connects with you a little bit better. And it helps, um, solidify that concept in your, in your mind a little bit better. Um, that certainly happened to me where something that one instructor taught in one class, it just kind of went over my head, you know, or just didn't stick with me. And then I go take another course somewhere else and a different instructor says it 
totally different, explains it differently, shows it differently, whatever it is. And then suddenly the light bulb goes off. Ah, (laughs) you know, oh, that's what I, you know, that's what they were trying to explain. That's what I was trying to learn, but I didn't quite get it. Uh, So that has tremendous value to get different perspectives from different instructors. Not always easy or convenient. And I I get that. And it goes to your point, Jacob, about sometimes the need to travel is is there, uh, depending on where you live. Um, but, uh, that's, that's kind of the name of the game, depending on how seriously, uh, you take your, your training, um, you know, how seriously you take this plan that you're trying to put together. So one thing I wanted to kind of touch on, and, and, and I think you kind of touched on it earlier, Jacob, was sort of this, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, we'll call it a cycle. You know, it's a process that repeats itself. In other words, uh, you learn something. Um, maybe you take a class or a course or you get a little bit of training. Um, and by the way, training could be very informal, especially in the beginning. Um, training from an, uh, an uncle or, or a, a father or somebody that, YouTube video, you know, knows things, you know, that they know how to shoot and, and you're getting taught how to shoot. And so you learn the basics of shooting. Um, that's very informal training, but it is still a form of training. And so then what happens? Then you take that newly gained knowledge and that guidance that you received, and now you go and practice that. Now, sometimes, actually, I think a lot of times what happens is when you practice things that you've learned and that you've had a skilled person show you and you've had opportunity under their tutelage to demonstrate that, when you go and practice that, I find with myself personally, a lot of times it's during that practice that things that I learned or things that I uh, were taught by an instructor or somebody, then it makes sense. It's like, oh, wow, suddenly, you know, this concept make, you know, the reason I grip my gun like this or the reason I stand like this, uh, whatever it is, makes sense because I'm practicing and now I've gotten enough repetitions that it's starting to click. And then sometimes what happens from that is you go, oh, wait, now this one thing that I learned way back when, and it didn't make sense then, now it makes more sense. And so you sort of complete this loop through learning, training, practice, and back to learning, which is going to hopefully encourage you to go get more training, which is then hopefully will encourage you to do more practice. And sometimes you have a little bit of a feedback loop even just between learning and practice where you've gotten some good guidance and you've learned the correct skills, and now you kind of bounce between learning and practice and learning and practicing. So you're practicing what you're learning, and then you're learning some more because you're encouraged by the progress you're making in your practice. I'm glad you talked about the the cycle. I also am really glad you talked about informal training because you know we we've mostly have focused when we've talked about training about taking a class from someone. But you know, I mean, I think even something as simple as watching a YouTube video, if it's from a quality instructor, uh, can qualify as training because you are you know getting taught new skills. It's not as ideal, obviously, because you can't ask questions and they can't watch you and give you feedback. But I do think those things qualify. Uh, unfortunately, you can you, know, you you sometimes have to look high and low to find decent free stuff, and that's why the vast majority of training schools that have online training put that behind some sort of paid wall, right? That you got to pay to get access, and we'll, we can talk more about that later. But it it that that cycle is very very important. 
And I want to come back to learning for a second because here's another issue. And I think that some people have, you know, they, they walk out of that basic CCW class, they apply for the permit, they're very excited. And and they kind of think, yeah, I'm going to learn all the time. I'm going to go to the you know conciliacare.com. I'm going to read the articles that these guys have, and I'm going to watch videos, and it's going to be great. But then you know life happens, and because life that never you know you never consume any content, and therefore you don't learn at all. Now, obviously, people who are listening to this are already an exception to some degree because you've subscribed to this podcast. At least I hope. If not, like go click subscribe. But it, here's the point I want to get to, and that is that subscription is key. And not just, you know, relating to this podcast, but anything that you want to consume and any learning you want to do, the best way to, to do it is to subscribe. And this works because the content, the, the the learning, the education, the knowledge comes to you instead of you having to remember and carve out the time to go to it. And so this podcast is a perfect example. By subscribing, it you know twice a week it pops up, says, hey, new episode, you read the headline, you choose if you want to consume it or not. Uh, maybe you even speed up playback and you guys know what me and Riley sound like at 2 or 3x speed. But that's a f- fantastic way to learn. But you can also subscribe to magazines. You know, think, Riley, you have several magazines that are always floating around your office that you subscribe to. So subscribing to Guns and Ammo or Recoil or, you know, the Concealed Carry Magazine, whatever it might be, these this is another real good way because the knowledge comes to you. And when it shows up, it's a it's a cue for you to consume the content. Uh, YouTube channels, you can subscribe to our and our channel and other quality YouTube channels. Again, it's subscription. It comes to you. And these are all so far, um, you know, magazines cost money, but, you know, subscribing to this podcast doesn't and subscribing to a YouTube channel doesn't. Um, you know, subscribing to our emails. We have, you know, six-figure number of people on our email list that get emails from us all the time with articles, with videos, with things that we're publishing. And I'm guessing most of you listening are probably on that list. And that's another way that the knowledge is coming to you. So so I think it's really important when you approach the learning aspect, which, as we mentioned, should be happening constantly, daily. Subscription is key. You know, this podcast is certainly a valid way to, you know, ingest more content, magazines, YouTube channels, email lists, um, all those things with if you maybe you use an RSS reader for you really geeky people out there. Um, you know, but but I think subscription is key. So thinking about learning, training, practice, learning, training, practice, and how those three things work together, and knowing that learning is the thing that should be happening constantly, daily, with the highest frequency of the three, in order to make that work well, you're gonna need to subscribe to stuff. Mm. Yeah, that certainly helps. Uh, I, if you saw my uh, YouTube subscription uh, list, uh, <laughs> it'd probably make your eyes want to bleed because there's so many. Uh, I don't get to a lot of those all the time, but uh, but I, I I subscribe to anything I find interesting or that has some some sort of educational value for me, uh, and I enjoy when I have free time going back and reviewing some of those uh, videos or podcast episodes or whatever. Um, yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. So let's talk a little bit more about like an actual training plan. And I think part of that plan is we've covered learning to a point where it's like, I would, I would recommend that you take um, 15 or 30 minutes a day and learn something, learn something new, uh, whether that's through a book, whether that's through a video, whether that's through a podcast, whatever it is. Uh, and obviously this podcast is about an hour long. <laughs> Most of, sometimes it's an hour and a half, uh, which 
is great because if you had a half an hour a day goal uh, with the two episodes we do each week, you could listen to about a half an hour at normal speed each day and, and you pretty much have some good content for each day. Um, anyway, so learning, make that, a, I, th- I think, a daily practice, a daily habit. Um, you're going to miss some days uh, because that's life and that's okay. Um, training. We already established that, hey, make a goal, set a goal right now for you Look at the calendar, find a date, a time, a place where you can accomplish some formal training here in the next six months to the next year. Make it happen. Just do it. Put it on the calendar and commit to it. Then let's get into the practice. And I think this is where we can spend a good amount of time talking about practice because I think this is where the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. And I think practicing the frequency needs to be also as much as possible on a daily basis because um, with practice, I mean, imagine like you're trying to learn the piano. If I only try to practice the piano once every three months, I'm not going to get very good or very fast because, because I have such a big block of time in between those practice opportunities. And it doesn't, I could practice a full day on, you know, every three months but I won't get nearly as good than I would if I uh, practiced every day for 15 minutes. And so that frequency is super key with practice. And I think part of that is because these are perishable skills. And so when you first start to practice, if you're practicing infrequently, the first substantial part of that practice time is going to be sort of, you know, getting back into the groove, you know, uh, breaking out of some old habits, uh, making things feel familiar again. So frequency is really key. Now, frequency is really challenging with live fire because most of us don't have the ability or the time or the resources, you know, in the, in the context of ammunition, that's an obvious one, or perhaps it's range fees or whatever, or resources as far as time. We don't have those resources to go to the range every day and spend an hour or two. So for me personally, and I I would advocate this for anybody else, I think it's an important part that has to happen. I would suggest that you have dry fire practice be an important and in fact necessary part of your training or practice plan because it's easy and it's cheap to do. You could do it the comfort of your home. You could do it in comfort as far as time, you know, what a time that's convenient for you. You know, late at night, the kids have gone to bed. You can make some time for dry fire practice. I frequently dry fire practice just sitting at my desk, even recording podcasts. I have a training pistol right here that I can aim at a target on the wall and I can go through the same steps and process of good, solid grip, you know, sight acquisition, sights on target and focusing on that smooth trigger press. And I do that multiple times throughout the day. And that's a small thing, but I promise you, it adds up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you talking about, you know, I had kind of implied that, you know, this practice frequency could be weekly. Um, But maybe in that context, I was thinking of, you know, a person taking 20, 30 minutes and, you know, doing something. Um, But to your point, you know, it's not, it's not hard. And and you and I kind of both do this, you, you probably more than me, but to, it's not hard for me right before I go to bed or right when I first get up to pick up a training pistol or my dry fire uh, gun and just, you know, 
take 10 seconds, 30 seconds and do something quick that is going to have a huge impact. So I, I appreciate, and I think it's really kind of required in this discussion, we talk about dry fire because that that's huge. And so you guys have heard us talk many, 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 many times about the CERT training pistol. I think everyone agrees it is the top tool in the industry for training pistols. And it's, it's got a nice resetting trigger. You can actually you know run reloads because it's got a removable magazine. It's sided in well as a take-up laser. It's great. It now comes in three roughly molds. It has kind of a, the Glock mold, which is roughly Glock 17, Glock 19-ish. It has the M&P mold. And it also now uh, comes in what they call the pocket pistol, uh, which I just picked up here off my desk. And the pocket pistol, pixel, pixel ugh, the pocket pistol, is roughly you know Glock forty three ish or M and P shield ish. Um, it's not you know unlike the other two models, it's not perfectly like um, any given gun, but it's it's comparable you know in in, in that regard uh, to a Glock forty three or an M and P shield. So you know you can go buy any one of those three, and I'll add that we're very proud to say that we are the cheapest on the internet for the cert pistols. But anyway, you can go buy any of those three. There's but there's other options, and 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 maybe you you just hate all three of those guns, and none of them are similar enough to your gun. So. There is also uh, a laser light product, which is a lot less expensive, but it's not like any gun and it's not very weighted. I don't think it's very nice, but if it's an economic concern, that's about a hundred bucks. I think we sell them too. I can't remember. And also um, you can check out laser ammo or other competing products like laser ammo. And, and we do, I'm pretty sure we sell laser ammo on our site. Jeez, I can't remember what we sell anymore, Riley. But, too much but stuff. laser ammo, yeah, it's the, the premise is I'm putting a cartridge. It looks kind of like a shell, uh, you know, around. I'm, I'm putting that into the gun, and when the firing pin strikes it, a laser is emitted. So I can use my real gun, um, assume, you know, depending on the, if, assuming it's a double action or a certain kind of gun, I can use my real gun, and I'll still get a laser projection. So that goes a long way. You know, those, those are some tools you can use. But to your point, Riley, even if I had no laser projection, if I just pick up my normal gun, if nothing I did was practicing getting a firm grip, a draw, a presentation on target, and a slow trigger squeeze, that still has great value depending on the kind of skills or things I'm working on uh, or trying to solidify. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, you know, and actually, uh, Speaking of, I, my example earlier was just about picking up my pistol off my desk, assuming, you know, a, a proper grip, uh, proper two-handed grip. Sometimes I do one-handed, though, too. And uh, presenting to the target, taking a shot. Uh, but every morning and every night, I get a couple of minutes, and it's not a lot. It might be two or three minutes. Uh, and this is just a habit I got into because I like it. And it's like, I feel like it's a a great way to end and start each day. And that is just, as you suggested a moment ago, uh, practicing uh, drawing from a holster, uh, assuming that proper grip and making a good presentation to the target. Uh, I do that every morning and night as I ready my gun for the day or put it away at the end of the end of the day, because I see that as being uh, it's, it's a perfect opportunity to, get those repetitions. You know, I'm, I'm about to take my gun off of my body. I've been carrying it concealed today and I'm going to go put it in the safe. Well, take, even if it's just one repetition is better than nothing, but I'll usually, you know, do one and stick it back in the holster. And, and by the way, I'll pull it out, unload, you know, go through that process, make sure it's safe, draw from the holster, present to the target, and then go back to the holster and, do, and just repeat that several times. And if you do that every night and every morning for, you know, 
a, a month or two, I promise you, you'll see like big time improvements in the speed and efficiency and confidence behind that draw stroke. It's just going to become very natural. Uh, it's inevitable. It's going to be that. And, and really, by the way, I think what I'm trying to get at as far as my thoughts here today about frequency of practice is all about increasing the familiarity of your handgun in your hands. You know, coming from a construction background, um, I worked with a lot of tools. And uh, I, I, I suppose many carpenters, and, and once I was, uh, you know, a carpenter, like a trim carpenter. I did some framing carpentry as well. Um, but you, you acquire some tools that become like best friends, you know, a hammer, for instance, that it feels good in the hand, the balance is just right. And you've swung who knows how many thousands of, of, of times, uh, to drive nails into wood. And it becomes that, that hammer and that tool becomes very familiar to you because you have so many reps with it. That's the same thing we're trying to achieve here with our guns is to make that gun feel familiar in your hand. And, and you know what? I can spot shooters where their guns are not familiar to them because it just it's just apparent because the, the, their movement's awkward, it's inefficient, it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's unsafe. Uh, so the more you handle this and do so safely and with proper form, the more familiar it'll become. And all you're developing is good old, you know, that phrase we use so often, muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So let me kind of bring it back into the context of the overall discussion a little bit. So learning, training, practice. So learning we're doing all the time. We maybe are subscribing to things. We're consuming information. Training, you know, we're trying to do that as often as we can, but at least once or twice a year, maybe we have to travel to do it. And in training, the number one thing we learn in training, frankly, is what we need to go practice now. So, so right. you know, think of it that way. When you walk out of a course, what you should have in your mind is, now I know what I should go practice. So now we're talking about practice, and we've talked about practice frequency being as often as possible. Something daily would be awesome, but at least weekly getting in, I think, an hour plus is a really functional, good plan. So, so those are some things to consider. Now, we've talked about live versus dry. Um, as far as, like, how much should be dry, how much should be live – I would, I would only add to that that you know, dry is something you can do all the time, and so you're probably going to do a ton of it. Um, by itself, it's probably not good enough. Yeah, you do need to go and actually shoot live on occasion, but I don't think of them as competing. I think of them both as being important. I need to do as much dry fire as I can, and I need to do as much live fire as I can, and that just, I don't know. To me, it's not like one or the other or this versus that. It's just like do both all the, as much as I can. And so naturally, I do more dry because I can do it more often. So that's how that works. It, now, talking more about practice, I, I think a biggest issue a lot of people have with the practice part of their of their training schedule or strategy or plan, as we're talking about today, is that they kind of get stuck with, well, what do I go do now? Um, you know, I, it, it, you know, even if I have a couple of good ideas of things I know I need to pr practice because I learned them in training, uh, you know. Maybe I can only do those things so so often or so many times before it starts to feel you know boring or repetitive, or I start to feel like I got that down real well. So I, I'm going to give two thoughts here, Riley, and, and I'm, you know you can you can comment on these or you can go in a different direction or just say ditto. But one would be I think it's a good idea to be skill focused, and what I mean by skill focused is you know and, and we have an episode about this. Geez, I got to go find it. I think it's episode seventy something. Hold on, hold on, I'm almost there. Um, episode number 84 is called 17 Shooting Skills to Master in 2017. We did that one right around the new year. And we talked about kind of how all shooting 
related skills kind of can be broken down into a relatively short list. You know, I think there's there's 17 obviously of them in that episode. And today we may or may not still agree that there's exactly 17. But but if you pick a skill and say, you know, I really want to work on reloading and, you know, you worked on it that week and, and you did it for a solid week, you know, it's the, the daily little things and maybe the weekly bigger thing, you really focused on reloading, you would really drive that skill forward in a big way. And then maybe the next week it's something else is moving while shooting. Uh, and that's, that's something you're going to work on that week. And then the next week, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the use of cover uh, or, or whatever it might be. So I think kind of being skill oriented is one way, though not the only way, but one way to kind of you know, keep practice fresh and relevant and not uh, become less valuable. Right? We want the highest ROI we can get from any time we invest into anything. And so I think approaching it in terms of what skill am I going to work on is a really valuable thing to do. And if, if you're like, well, I, I, give me a list of skills, you know, maybe we should create a, like an easy download thing on our website. But but for now, you could go back and listen to episode number 84. Uh, so that that's one thought. And then the other thought I'll have, and, and again, then I'll throw it to you, Riley, would be about drills. Some people love having drills that they can run. Some people hate drills. But there are some benefits to having a drill. If I know I want to work on reloading, uh, and so I I find out that there's this popular drill called El Presidente, and in El Presidente, you, you have to perform a reload, then I might decide to run that drill. Now, there's a couple of here's here are the things I, I like about having drills to run. One would be that it's very kind of already designed, it's deliberate, I know exactly what has to be done, and it's not going to take a ton of ammo to just run that drill. The second thing is it's going to be easy to measure over time if I have improvement. Because, you know, drills are scored, they're measured, whether it's a comp, you know, might be a combination of how fast you do it, and or how accurate you shoot, uh, you know, any given drill. And so if I am measuring how I'm performing that drill, then over time, if I do it repeatedly, I can see improvement. And and so that's what I really like about drills. So drills can often be associated with one or more skills. And if I'm focused on on you know, building or, you know, really drawing a specific skill in my shooting in any given week, that would go a long way. And, and one last thought here, and that would be if there are 17 shooting skills and a person was to tackle uh, each one, you know, one per week, then essentially what that would mean is, hold on, calculator. Yeah, I thought so. Three times. 17 times three is 51. Yeah. So you could do each skill three times a year and have a week to spare. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, ditto. But uh, one thing I wanted to add is kind of going back to this idea of uh, dry fire practice versus live fire practice. And like you said, uh, I, I too see that as a very supplementary uh, uh, thing. You know, it's uh, it's not one versus the other. And I don't know that I could say that you should spend 20% of your time at the range and 80% doing dry fire practice. Uh, but I definitely think that probably it's easier and more affordable and more convenient to do more dry fire than it is live fire, unless you're a lucky individual and you have the time and resources to, to do more dry or live fire. Um, and so it, with that, I would also say that it, you can, you, you should know that there are certain skills that you can learn 95% of those skills just from doing a lot of dry fire practice and repetition. Well, there's some skills you virtually can't learn in live fire. Well, that that may be. Um, and, and so, I mean, let me give you an example. 
How about reloading a pistol? Think about it. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, when you're reloading the gun, are you actually shooting the gun? No. I mean, is that a component? And is it is it nice if we could actually follow through with a shot after the reload or shoot, you know, do shots up to the point of reload? Sure, that's ideal. But what is the actual motion that we're going through? Well, our hand is our support hand's coming off the pistol. We're reaching down, grabbing a spare mag, right? And we're coming up and we're dumping the uh, empty mag and we're inserting a full mag. Perhaps we're racking the slide because we had a pistol that was out of battery uh, or whatever it is. But all of that can be done many thousands of times in dry fire practice. And you will get really good. Look at Travis Tomasi, you know, a professional competitive shooter and, and probably one of the fastest reloaders on earth. I guarantee you he does a lot of reloading dry fire. And he has videos demonstrating that and how he does it. And so that's that's a great you know example I think of of one skill or area where honestly I mean you sh- for reloads I think you should probably spend a huge majority of the time just dry fire practicing reloads and then of course verifying that once you get to the range and once you do it under live fire that you can actually perform it with a little bit more you know pressure or stress or whatever placed on you because now you're trying to perform and that's what happens also in using drills you talked about drills Jacob uh, I like drills uh, where where appropriate and as long as we keep the context in place as far as what those drills are for or what we can gain out of them uh, and and, and certainly a drill increases stress and pressure and and the, the desire to perform. And it's the opportunity to show and demonstrate a particular skill or maybe a few skills and, and hopefully meet a certain standard or perform a certain way that we want to under that pressure. So um, anyway, uh, reloads, also just drawing from a holster would be the same thing. You could do that many thousands of times. Dry fire before you ever go to the range. See how easy that well, is, you know, and, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Well, to, and to your point, too, I think the other extension is that is your range may not let you do these things. And that's what I meant when I said there's some things you virtually can't learn in live fire. It's not that there's anything you can't learn in live fire. It's more an issue of, you know, you might have to drive out in the woods where you don't have a range safety officer saying, sorry, you're getting kicked out of the range today for trying to engage multiple targets uh, or for using this shooting position or whatever it might be. So, it just by nature of that beast, and, and it just is what it is. I don't think it's not about if it's good, right, or wrong. It just is what it is. So by that nature, there's some things you may have necessity to learn in dry fire. So mm-hmm. if if you decide next week that you're going to focus on, um, you know, grip and stance, great. That's probably something you could do in dry fire, and then you know, go to the range some t- time during the week and do that. But if you decide you're going to work on moving while shooting, uh, you know, you, it's, the odds are high that the range you generally go to doesn't allow that. So you might have to drive further to get to a different range, or you might just do all that in dry, dry fire at, the, at yeah. the house. So those are all things to consider. One other tool that I think we'd be remiss to not mention is LASR, which stands for Laser Activated Shot Reporter. And this is a software program that works with any training pistol setup that emits a laser and it you know it installs on any windows computer and it just leverages the webcam built into or you know plugged into that computer to see the red dots from the laser pistol 
and then give you your shot times, part times. It can call reloads. It can do a lot of really cool stuff. And now that they've kind of created this thing called the LASR community, you can download actually pre-programmed drills and run those drills and compare your times to other shooters, which gives you a benchmark and you get a sense for how you're performing. So it's also a really great tool. It's $120 all the time. It's the same everywhere because they don't allow anybody to discount it. So you could buy that from us or you could buy it directly on their website or elsewhere. But I think that that's also a tool uh, worth having. So if you were to buy our favorite cert pistols, just the performer model, and you were to buy the LASR software with shipping, you'd be into it like 330, 340 bucks. And uh, that's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but you know, compare that to how much money you have to spend on ammo to go shooting. And I think you quickly find out that to be able to do this daily, you know, all the time and to be able to get live feedback from the software and not have to worry about whether or not I unloaded my gun or cleared it or whatever else, that's, that's, easy money to spend as far as i'm concerned yeah uh, i'm glad you brought up a uh, laser app is the you know the full name i guess the program uh lasr laser app a uh, great program it works so well with cert or a number of other laser training uh handguns uh, in fact i have the laser ammo insert for the KWA advanced training pistol or ATP pistol and it's, so it's an airsoft gun that you replace the barrel with a laser ammo product that uh, you know so you get uh, gas blowback every time I pull the trigger it goes you know bang pop right and it emits a laser and I can use that also with laser app uh, and it's it feels very realistic in a lot of respects. It's not entirely 100% there, you know, but it's 90 to 95% of the feeling and the experience of going to live range in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly doesn't replace that live range experience, but I, I too, with I have reloaded, you know, reloadable magazines with these airsoft guns. And so I can go through reloads, shooting while moving, doing various drills with a laser training pistol and the laser app from LASR. Speaking of other tools and resources, one of the reasons why we created Guardian Nation is, or was, and, and still is, to give a lot of training resources to our members. And uh, this is in the form of a lot of different opportunities. Guardian Nation members have access, as we talked earlier in, in the sponsorship, uh, to our monthly um, live broadcast, you know, webinar type uh, deals, right? And uh, we just had a review from 182nd Ideas, a uh, good friend, Johnny, that uh, checked out the Guardian Nation product for us and gave us his feedback. And I thought it was interesting, Jacob, that his favorite thing he said was those monthly Guardian Nation live broadcasts, which are great opportunities to learn and receive valuable information from top industry professionals. Uh, we've had a whole slew of awesome guys and uh, and, and I guess gals. I mean, we had uh, uh, we should probably get maybe try to get some more gals. Who knows? I don't know. We had uh, Cy and and uh, Lauren. Lauren, thank you, uh, Hudson on. So anyway, you know, uh, speaking of which, the uh, Hudson H nine is out uh, this week, supposedly shipping to folks. In case you happen to be interested in one of those. But anyway, those live broadcasts are awesome. Live or not live, but we have recorded training videos in the Guardian Nation member area. And uh, so there's lots of opportunities within Guardian Nation to get learning and training and practice. Yeah, we've had, we, I mean, it's really perfectly designed around this idea of learning, practice, training, right? Because learning, great. Yeah, we have the live broadcast. We have the archive of the broadcast. 
both related to learning and related to practice, we have the video library. So you can go in there, you can pick a skill, say it's reloading, click on reloading, and boom, here are all our training videos reloading. And many of those, in fact, probably most of those are drills you can run. Um, and most of those you could do in dry fire or live fire. So that, that cycles that way. And then also Guardian Nation members once a year get, and this is Pay attention, it's all starting to make sense now. Once a year, members of Guardian Nation get a gift certificate to go take an in-person class from any instructor nationwide across our entire network. So we we want to, you know, the, the membership is designed to kind of pull this all together so that you're doing the learning, you're doing the practice, and you're and you're also getting the training at least once a year. So it it's it's really meant to support this concept of having an ongoing training plan or strategy. Geez, Jacob, it almost makes too much sense. Sorry to turn it into a sales pitch. <laughs> well, there's a reason, like you said, there's a reason we created Guardian Nation, and uh, there's a reason we're always encouraging people to join the nation because of this very thing right here where we talk today. I'll also add that we've had talks and discussions, and we just haven't quite figured out how to package it. But uh, my hope is that at some point, hopefully soon, uh, we'll put together a training plan, you know, a training plan, you know, like a template, if you will, of you know, what to do, when to do it, how to do it, you know, going along, it'll have accompanying training videos that'll be in the Guardian Nation member area. Um, but it basically be like a goal setting, uh, practice facilitating, you know, learning opportunity sort of thing, you know, where everything all in one, you can follow a plan and hopefully see your skills and knowledge and defensive abilities increase substantially over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we if we knew how what that was how to make that look correct on a piece of paper, it would be ready by now. But uh, we're we we certainly have talked about it many times and need to figure it out. Yep. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, today's episode was brought to you by Pig Lube, and we love Pig Lube because not only about putting the fun back in shooting with their synthesized bacon grease smelling gun lubricant, they also have unscented varieties available too, in case you're wondering, uh, but. Pig Lube also just makes really amazing lubrication for pistols, rifles, shotguns, etc. They use uh, nanoparticle technology in their their lubricants that what it does, it fills in all the rough spots in the metal and makes it run much smoother. (laughs) It just works. I've been using Pig Lube exclusively for probably about a year now, and I love the stuff. As a competitive shooter, I depend on Pig Lube to get me through every match and every stage that I shoot without malfunctions. Uh, it is the real deal. I think it's one of the best lubricants on the market. In fact, I think it is the best lubricant on the market. And they also have Pig Lube Cleaner or PLC solvent, which is amazing stuff. Uh, you just got to try it to believe it. And I think we, do we also sell the Pig, the pig Lube uh, cleaning kits on our website, Jacob? We have one of them. They just introduced a second cleaning kit, and we need to get it added ah. uh, here soon. So, the, yeah, the, the the short of it is that these guys had a great idea for lubricant, and they've just continued to apply innovation to a whole line of cleaning products. Yeah. So it's it's worth checking out. And, and in fact, we now have a combo pack available. It's actually only available on our site. You can't get it on their site. Don't ask me why. Uh, maybe they just like us, but we have, there's a combo pack available now that you can get uh, a, a tube of pig lube and also a, a small bottle of pig lube cleaner, PLC, together in a combo pack. It's very competitively priced, and that'd be a good way to kind of you know, dive in and check this out. Yeah. Anyway, go check out pig lube today at concealedcarry.com forward slash 
Piglube. Piglube. P-I-G-L-U-B-E. Do we still have the free shipping available? Ooh, I don't think we do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, but you can save ten percent with pot, with the uh, coupon code <laughs> podcast ten on the That's on the true. combo pack. There you go. So if you didn't, if you missed out on the free shipping before that we did have, it is gone now. But save ten percent podcast one zero. Today's other sponsor was Quick Draw, which is also a lubricant product, but is geared more towards holsters. In fact, it can also act as a holster conditioner. Uh, if you have a leather or leather Kydex hybrid holster, but even also just any type of holster, uh, other than maybe a cloth holster, a holster, you know, like a Brave Response holster might not work as well. But uh, but almost all of their holster types, Quick Draw will clean condition and lubricate that holster making your draw stroke consistent and faster so check out quick draw today concealedcarry.com there's a special link in the show notes hope that you'll check it out picks picks of the week let's try that again (laughs) two things actually jacob um my first pick of the week is that i am now officially announcing to podcast listeners that we have a special podcast email address. And that is podcast at concealedcarry.com. So if you'd like to contact us here at the show, at the Concealed Carry Podcast, shoot us an email at podcast at concealedcarry.com. And soon, I think we will have a phone line that you could text or call and send a message that way to us here at the podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. Any questions you might have, suggestions, feedback, you name it. Hope that you'll reach out to us. Uh, it's probably long overdue, but for a long time we felt like, hey, you can just reach out to us at our usual support or info line you know, on our contact page on the website, but now you have a dedicated podcast contact method. Have fun with that. And so my actual official pick of the week uh, is the KWA ATP Compact. So I already mentioned this gas blowback airsoft pistol from KWA, and I had previously, and this was a pick of mine way back when, was the full-size KWA ATP gun uh, with the laser ammo barrel insert. Uh, this one is the compact model. And basically, this is similar in size and shape and performance to a Glock 19. But, of course, it's a gas blowback airsoft pistol. And so I felt like, hey, I, I wanted to add that to the uh, uh, training arsenal and I've been having great fun with it. Uh, it's a great little gun. Fits in all my Glock 19 holsters. Uh, so it's uh, perfect for training for my Glock 19. Similar in size, weight, shape, all that stuff. So KWA's ATP Compact Gas Blowback Airsoft Pistol. Go check it out. What's your pick? Uh, a program called Git Control. Now, this is probably not going to apply to a lot of you out there, but if you own an e-commerce business, which we do, um, sometimes it's challenging to keep track of all of your metrics. And as a business owner, uh, this is something that we've really been trying to kind of, I guess, get a hold of, you know, a hold on and, and get to better understand. And so this this product called Git Control, and the website is gitcontrol.co, essentially what it does is it pulls in all of your revenue metrics and your customer acquisition metrics, and it gives you a dashboard. You can kind of keep track of how you're doing over time and you know, what what's going well, what's not going well, and, you know, average, you know, all sorts of you know stats, I guess. And so as a business owner, it's been really valuable. I guess we've been using Git Control for... 
ooh, I don't know, maybe three or four months and I've been very happy with it. So if you you know would, would derive equal value and something like that, you can check out getcontrol.co. Cool. Coming up next, uh, Jacob has something that he wants to announce that I'm excited about, by the way. Um, but first, for me, this week, I must get to the range and finish getting some training videos done for Guardian Nation members in particular, who some of you, I'm sure, have been waiting for some fresh training videos. Uh, typically, we were... we. Typically, we get those done, you know, some some new ones, four or five new videos every month. Last few months have made it very difficult. So, uh, Corey, our video guy, and myself, uh, perhaps Jacob, if he has the time or mind to, but we'll get out to the range, get some new, fresh training video content put together. So, I just wanted to let you know, that's coming. We haven't forgotten about you. And, of course, we are committed to uh, giving those those training video resources to to all you out there, especially our Guardian Nation members. Cool. So my up next. More details to come, but we are going to roll out something we're calling the Appendix Challenge. And this is related to the Appendix Carry Position. And you're going to want to listen carefully next week on Monday and or Wednesday. We'll be kind of making the announcement. But some of you are going to receive some free gear in the mail. We're going to pick some some listeners to have the opportunity to participate in a special kind of beta test um, experience that involves us shipping you some new gear for free. So listen carefully. Next week, we'll give you the details on how you can be involved and what we're looking for. But I'm excited because I am currently in the Appendix Challenge. I am testing the test. Cool. So we may have converted you finally to Appendix Carry? I didn't say that. I said (laughs) I am taking the Appendix Challenge. I I am hopeful. (laughs) <laughs> so so li- listen closely next week more details are coming yeah awesome well thanks again for all of you that support us and make this uh, show possible uh thanks for sticking with us for 166 episodes now uh just a reminder that uh, if you would like to reach out to us do so send us send us an email at podcast at concealedcarry.com i hope to see you soon And uh, a lot of exciting stuff coming from us here uh, soon. New training videos, new products, uh, all kinds of stuff. New courses. We're we're working on uh, some new defensive handgun courses to go along with the uh, already released Guardian Essentials pistol course. All sorts of great stuff. Thanks for everything you do and all the support you give us. We appreciate it sincerely. Jacob, any last words? Nope. Rock and roll. Indeed. So with that, we're going to sign off and leave you with... A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.